The 413, the proposed Highway 413 just north of Toronto, it's being sold as a way to ease congestion and gridlock. But does more pavement, does that necessarily mean more movement? Let's ask Keith James, Program Director with Environmental Defense, who joins us now here on Global News Radio. Keith, good afternoon. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Uh, First off, I wanted to ask you, what sort of environmental impact is this proposed highway, 413? Uh, What sort of environmental impact could it have? Oh, it has very serious environmental impacts. The the highway uh, crosses 85 rivers and streams along its length. It's going to put more salt pollution, more more road pollution into those rivers and streams, destroy endangered species habitat, uh, highly problematic in that regard. It's, it's going to pave over 400 acres of the green belt, 2,000 acres of prime agricultural land to some of the best farmland in all of Canada. It's going to put more air pollution out there, more climate pollution. It's going to add an additional 17 megatons of climate pollution by 2050. It's, it's got very significant uh, environmental impacts. Okay, so having said all of that, Keith, obviously the end goal better be one that's attainable then, which is to ease gridlock and congestion. And will 413, will this new highway, will it, uh, do you think, actually do that, achieve that? Will it ease congestion? Uh, I don't think it will, no. And it's been widely studied. There's a, a thing called induced demand, which, which says basically that, you know, in every jurisdiction where it's been tried, adding new highways, adding more lanes. It doesn't relieve congestion. It just gets more cars on the road. All right. Yeah, this is a really interesting uh, concept. Could you tell us a little more about it? Because I was reading about this this morning and was uh, quite uh, quite intrigued. Yeah, I mean, you probably read that, you know, some people are saying it's that whole idea of you build it and they will come. But if you build a new a new highway and people have in their minds the idea that there is this open highway out there and they've got to get from point A to point B, then they won't hesitate from taking their cars. They're going to jump in that car and, and drive there. But very, pretty quickly, everyone has that same idea. And before you know it, the highway gets congested. Plus, this highway is going to lead to new developments around the route. And, and those new developments, those new warehouses, the homes, whatever they are, are also going to lead to more people being there, more people wanting to use the roads, and more cars on the roads. And I think the example that people like to cite is there's this highway in, in Houston, Texas. It's 26 lanes wide at its widest point and actually when they constructed it it made congestion worse the promise was oh we're going to add new lanes to this massive highway it's going to get cars off the road well three years after they built it congestion was actually worse that is mind-blowing because i'm sure we have a lot of people listening to us right now that are sitting there on the gardner expressway the dvp in toronto and they've thought to themselves boy if this was just like three lanes wider on either side in either direction it would make such a difference but uh, to your point about this highway in houston 26 lanes wide and gridlock isn't any better there yeah well we know this here in toronto too right i mean the 401 is, is the largest highway in, in Canada. Uh, at its widest point, what's 12 lanes wide, maybe 14 lanes wide, and it still gets congested all the time. And we could keep adding lanes there. We have kept adding lanes there, and it's never solved the problem. And we added the 407, it didn't, it didn't solve the problem. And, and then adding another highway now is also not going to solve the problem. And it, it's it's we actually know this from our experience here in Toronto too. Yeah, and there's a lot of experience and a lot of history behind this theory or this idea of induced demand. I mean, this goes back to kind of the 1960s, doesn't it? And this idea that increasing roadway uh, capacity will be a panacea, will uh, be the answer to all of our problems. Yeah, I mean, it's well studied. And I mean, part of the issue is that 
it creates more car dependency. I mean, expectation that a new highway, you know, is going to free up space for, for cars leads to there being new cars and new car dependent developments and more car dependent urban form. And so we build homes, you know, with those garages and we assume people are going to take cars instead of building at a higher density where people can walk, they can take transit, they can cycle, those other kinds of transportation that where we can actually move a lot more people because a car is very big. It's a very inefficient way to move people. Joined by Keith Brooks, Program Director with Environmental Defense, talking about the new proposed Highway 413 and whether or not it will actually ease congestion. And, you know, Keith, gridlock is clearly a problem, not only in a big city like a Toronto, but for those uh, that are listening to us this afternoon in Hamilton, I'm thinking about uh, the link, the Lincoln Alexander Parkway. Uh, those in London listening, Wonderland Road, very congested, very slow during the uh, rush hour there as well. So gridlock, a, a problem really in both large and medium sized uh, cities and a growing problem. So if more roadway, more pavement isn't the answer, what is? Well, the answer is to build more compact communities, to build communities with the kind of densities that support public transit. Um, you see, if we have like a, you know, a low density suburban neighborhood, we don't have enough people there to justify building a go train line there or to building a subway line there or to having, you know, good bus service that comes with some kind of frequency. We don't have enough density to support there being local shops and restaurants and grocery stores and things like that. So you, you, you create a community where people have no choice but to get in their cars because the things that they need and the way and are not close by and there's no way for them to get where they need to go without taking their car. So what we wanna do is be building more compact communities, higher densities where people, and, and that's gonna support transit. It's gonna support local, local commerce, gonna support local restaurants and all those kinds of things, get more people in a, in a closer area and then we don't need the car dependency. We actually have a lot more choices about how we get around. And like I said, moving people is much more efficient than trying to move cars. Cars are, are very big, uh, take up a lot of space. They consume a lot of energy. It's not the best way to be moving people around. Yeah, just finally, a public transit, of course, as you well know, Keith, has long been hailed as the answer. But, uh, you know, there are some that feel as if, well, it reduces my freedom. I'm all of a sudden on their schedule instead of mine. And is there also now an additional uh, additional challenge when it comes to public transit that we need to overcome with the pandemic and COVID and people more concerned about uh, shared space, physical distancing and the, the spreading of uh, aerosol and germs? Yeah, I mean, the COVID thing for sure, but I think that's going to be passing, right? People are cramming back into hockey arenas and movie theaters and places like that. I think we're becoming comfortable again to get, you know, more cheek to jowl with people. Um, and then, you know, I think, yeah, there's people are concerned about the frequency with which transit comes. And it's a bit of a, a card and horse problem there or a chicken and egg or whatever. But, you know, if we if we don't if we provide all day, say, go, tra go train service or all day bus service, and we come at a good frequency, like the subway comes in Toronto, then you don't need to worry about getting on that schedule. You just know I'm going to go to the bus stop and a bus is going to be here in five minutes, or I'm going to go to the go train and one's going to be here within 10 minutes. And we don't, so that's not one of our problems. We actually need to build more transit. We need to have higher frequency so that people just know that there's going to be a bus or a subway or a train or whatever waiting for them there, ready to take them where they need to go, when they need to go, instead of trying to be on the schedules. But that's about adding capacity. It's about increasing people's trust in transit and the reliability of transit. It means investing in it and really going at that direction, which supports more people, is, is better for the environment, 
uh, and actually is not going to lead to congestion. All right. To be continued, but a fascinating discussion. Keith, really appreciate your time with us this afternoon. Thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You bet. Keith Brooks is program director with Environmental Defense here on Global News Radio. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. <laughs> and Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.